Welcome to Two Lost Dads, the only and best show about two lost dads who have lost their dads. So, um, you've got a story for us, I hear. <laughs> yeah, I, not so much a story. It's just I, what I what I think continues to happen is is life continues to happen as each week goes by. We're having things happen in our lives that it's kind of interesting to be able to share and discuss and. Um, after our conversation last week, uh, which, you know, was really about how hard it is to be a parent when you don't know how to be a parent, right? And and it's fun listening to you and the challenges you're going through. And from my perspective, as I said, I'm on the totally different end of the spectrum. And I have adult children now, right? And and that transition from parent to you're now a human being and I'm no longer responsible for you is an amazingly difficult thing that I'm learning. So you, t we both talk about, and I think every dad listening realizes how hard it is these years as you're raising your child, you haven't got there yet, but when they're teenagers, they're just difficult because they're starting to become adults. But through the, all that process, if we're all honest with each other, we have no idea what we're doing. We're just trying our best. We're, going with the flow and trying to make sure that we teach them the right lessons and we raise good human beings. But as men, we're also problem solvers. So we're constantly trying to solve the problems of our children when they're younger. And the interesting thing is when they are younger, we're totally in charge. We're totally in control. And as a result, we can affect that. If you want your child to go to bed at a certain time, you have the authority as the parent to say, I'm sorry, go to bed right? You get control of the things that, you know, that you believe are right or wrong or what they should do or what they shouldn't do. You have a much bigger say in it when they're young. I am dealing with the fact that my children are adults. And while I love them as my children, I also love them as human beings. But it's really, really difficult because think of any other adult that you interact with. And if they told you about something going on in their life or a problem they were having, just a friend of yours, any friend you have, think about how you would interact with that friend, right? You would, you would probably be sympathetic uh, or empathetic, be better, right? <laughs> You'd be empathetic to listen to their, their issues and, and their concerns and, and, you know, the problem they're having. And you may do nothing more than give them a shoulder to cry on, um, but you also are there for moral support and potentially to give them, I don't know, some feedback, some advice, something relevant that you can think of. But that's pretty much the extent of how you help that person. You help them by being there and being empathetic to their situation. When you layer on the fact that that adult person is not just your friend, they are your child. As a parent, it is really, really hard to bite your tongue off while you want to help them through their problems, but you can't, you need to treat it the way the, the, in the, the former, the way the former example was, you really can't be overbearing. And I'm finding it as a very, um, you know, my personality is just as a pro I'm a problem solver. I'm always trying to fix things and it's just really difficult. My oldest daughter's 30 and she's uh, going through a divorce, which, is a, in and of itself a life-changing situation. I went through it at 32. Um, 
so you know, I have some relevant life experience. Clearly, her mother went through it at 32 as well. So, um, you know, she has people, and my wife, my second wife, my current wife, went through a divorce at 32 about so seems to be a pattern that are somewhere in the early 30s seems to be if you get married really young uh that seems to be where enough time is you know water's gone under the bridge in a relationship to realize that you're on different paths in life but regardless my daughter um moved to florida uh just before the pandemic and um uprooted with her husband and went down there they have no kids but she began living her dream life of having a farm and having all the animals she had growing up with as a kid here on our farms and um uh and then the relationship just finally came to a head and and didn't work out and so now uh as a father i hear when i talk to her the stress i hear the sniffles i hear the pain and it's really really difficult because i want to go and hug her and i want to also fix everything for her because as me i know the things these are the things you need to do right and i and my wife staring at me kind of going dude shut up right <laughs> she just wants to talk to you and let her talk and it is so so hard because you you want them to be happy and you want them to be safe and you want them to be successful and all of those things, but you just, uh, and, and so I guess I, I don't know, I don't know the answer, Keith, other than I'd love some other perspective, your perspective on, you know, how do you approach that? How do you, how do you let them know you're there for you and let, and, and still the core of your manliness is to try to solve problems to not do that. Right. And it's tough. Yeah, I uh, well, I'm in a much different place uh, as a parent. I guess I'm because I'm dealing with two small children. Um, when I'm when at first when you were talking about you know you just want your children to be honest with you, um, you know I have my own problems with honesty with my children that I'm sure will might bleed into their adult lives, and I don't know how I'll. Uh, I guess I don't, I don't really know how. Uh, I can think of it from perspective as a, as a current parent, but as like a child, um, like I've, I've fucked, <laughs> I've fucked up a well, lot of times. Well, um, I was, I was, so, I was thinking you would, I, I was kind of looking to your perspective back to last episode, your relationship with your dad and the fact that your dad was, I mean, how did your dad, how would your dad in the case that you were talking about last time handle the fact that he didn't agree with life decisions you were making, or he just wanted to help you get where you needed to go, or he felt you needed to go. Well, here, all right, here's a good example, because since we're talking about divorce, I've never been divorced. I am currently married and not divorced, um, but I, I was Stay in that a, way. Yeah, I'm doing my best. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> li li listening and making lots of jokes is the key here uh, for me. So, but anyway, um, when I was younger, I, uh, I got into a lot of trouble and made a lot of mistakes. And I can't remember, I guess, well, I guess I do remember some of the circumstances, but I was, I had been dating someone. We had been dating for, I think we dated for like five years and uh, we'd been living together the entire time. And I was young. I was like in my early twenties and um, we broke up and it was like really devastating for me because like I wasn't the one who did the breaking up. So, you know, of course I was like completely, uh, torn up about it and i just um 
I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. Like, I'm like, I can't afford to pay like my rent myself. I can't like do anything by myself, apparently, because apparently I was completely dependent on this other person because I was still young and didn't know how to have like a healthy relationship with anybody. Um, so my dad came, uh, you know, and he was there and he like he just said, like, you know, just come come live at the house and like there's a bedroom here and you can come here and you can stay and you have a job so just get up and keep going to work and because you know that was his mentality you go to work and you just keep living your life because like that's what you have to do no matter what happens in your life you have to get up and do the things that you have to do and so he did a lot of lecturing along that sense because he knew I was having a hard time uh, dealing with the breakup and um, there was a lot of things going on behind that um break up and like you know uh he we, he'd never talked to me about like any any of his relationship stuff in any context whatsoever even at that moment it wasn't like he didn't sit me down and say oh i remember when you know this girl broke up with me or whatever because like as far as i knew in my and all of all of his stories that he told me that he like he met my mom in high school and they got married and that was like the only person he ever like looked at or thought about or whatever so he didn't have any advice for me uh as far as the relationship went but he had advice for me in that you know no matter what happens uh no matter how sad you are no matter what's going on in your life uh you have responsibilities as like like civil responsibilities. You have to get up and do your job because other people depend on you. There are people at your job who need you to go to work so that you can help them do their job. And that was kind of the coaching that I got from my dad uh, as I dealt with that. But he did give me a place uh, to, to, to live. And he said, the bus stop is right. It's like two and a half miles down the road. Just walk I had to be at work at like five o'clock in the morning. I would wake up at three. I'd walk to the bus stop. I'd ride the bus like all the way across. I was living in Las Vegas. So I was driving all the way, riding the bus all the way from the west side or the east side to the west side, uh, which took like hours. Anybody in Las Vegas listening will know. It just takes forever to take the bus anywhere. Um, so yeah, and I was doing that and I did that until I had enough money or a better situation until I felt better. And then I moved up and got my own apartment and I moved on with my life. So he, he wasn't too overbearing. I think he kind of understood <laughs> a little too well uh, that his, like if any advice that he pushed on me, anything extra that he gave me that wasn't just, this is how you sh can live your life um, might've been harmful to me. Like any, like, you know, how you'd rebel. Yeah, you know, if he had told me, I think he knew that if he told me, you know, about when his girlfriend broke up with him, because he probably didn't have the same situation. He probably had a much tougher, uh, you know, older generation mentality about it, like boys don't cry uh, kind of thing. I have no idea. I have no idea. He never talked to me about it. So, he, you know. So, like, you know, like, I mean, I would say that, that you know, and I think I talked about it last episode. I, 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 the path I've taken with my children is to tell them a lot of stories about myself and a lot of stories about my past and a lot of things that have been good and bad in my life um, because I think it's important then um, you know not only to share those totally out of context just to have those conversations so they know those things but then also in in context when something's happening um, you know I, I do have a tendency well you know what I mean I had this situation 
which isn't exactly like yours, but all I can do is use that to form that empathetic bond to, to feel the same thing they're feeling. And from there, at least be able to kind of, I don't know, have, have a connection in that moment and maybe be able to give them some salient detail that helps them out. But beyond that, the challenge is, uh, and, I, and I have it in my professional life as well. I always have, I, I'm a leader. I like to lead and I like to push people along and get them to accomplish things. And um, the challenge is in, when you're running a business, you're expected to do that. And frankly, you're paying everybody. So they're going to do the things that you ask them to do generally and, and appreciate that leadership. Uh, but your adult children, um, it's just a different thing. I'm seeing with, uh, you know, my son uh, has moved home to, to uh, uh, advance his career. And so he's living in our lake house right now, working on a project you're working on with him, a video game called pigs with lasers. That, pigs with lasers. Uh, pigs with lasers. That's <laughs> right. They've, uh, so he and a, 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 some friends and, and uh, um, additional partners like you are, are starting a video game uh, studio, development studio, which is his, his career background. And, you know, so that's going on. And, and at the same time, like that one, you know, I'm trying to be extremely hands off because it's a business. And as a business, I have a whole lot of opinions on how a business should be run, but I'm trying to stay out of it. And then, you know, along while that's coming, while that's happening and I'm trying to be very quiet and stay out of the way and let you guys lead and run the company and the game the way you want it to. Uh, then I have my daughter, uh, you know, having her own life, uh, um, experiences adventures i'll call them even remember every day you get up it's a, it's an adventure and you never know whether it's going to be a shitty adventure day or a exciting adventure day but it's going to be a, an adventure no matter how you look at it but you know i'm I, I don't know i'm i'm i wish i had advice for people but i i, I honestly this one's got me flummoxed because i i know so many things i feel like i could help her out with but that's not my job anymore. And if I succumb to it and I start helping her, she won't, she won't handle the things herself. Like she needs to, she's got to make those decisions, hard decisions on her own as to what she wants from her life. And, you know, uh, how, how she's gonna, you know, I don't know, advance herself from, from the position she's in right now, recover from, you know, uh, from, a, a relationship breakdown and and deal with frankly everything life's thrown at you at the same time um you know she's going through the issue with uh, which again i have advice but i can't push it upon her about you know friends when you get divorced i i know that there are couples that you have been friends with and when you get divorced suddenly regardless of how how friendly the divorce is ultimately those couples are stuck in the middle and they end up, you don't both end up friends with those couples. Those couples end up either alienate, getting away from both of you or gravitating towards one or the other that they felt they had a better connection to. And I think so she's having to deal with that as well to see that, you know, um, I've often told her, and this goes back to my kind of nihilistic uh, <laughs> sociopathic view on life, like out of a thousand people, this is just rough math of my life, out of a thousand people I've met in my life, uh, at any given time, one person out of a thousand is somebody that I actually like, dude, you're a good person. You're cool. And I'm great. I'm let's, let's be friends. For the most part, you find out through life that 
almost everybody is and it and it's not always done maliciously some people there's obviously a percentage of people out there who are just thieves crooks and grifters that will get in and take advantage of you because they can and then there's a big group in the middle that i think are good people but at any given chance they're gonna take the they're gonna take a little bit of advantage right they're always everyone's just trying to be ahead of everybody else just a little bit and and that's not just money that's everything so so i think people get into relationships that are almost quid pro quo where they're like hey uh you know you're you're a nice person and you'll you know do x for me right you'll you'll help me out in something that i have okay cool and i can help you out and that's okay as long as you call it for what it is they're getting something out of the relationship you're getting something out of the relationship the problem becomes when you forget that's the foundation of the of the relationship and instead you say oh it's a friendship i've got this great friendship with this person it works great until the moment that that person no longer needs that thing that they were getting from you. Okay. And, and I, you know, I can give you an, an example in her life is, you know, watching somebody's dog, right? So you watch somebody's dog and think, Hey, I'm just being really nice by watching your dog. Right. And that person's like, Hey, I like being friends with this person. Cause when I'm out of town on a business trip or something, I got somebody to watch my dog. Right. And that's all cool. And till you realize that maybe that person, you know, or that person finds somebody else to watch their dog or, or solves the problem that they were having um, that you were filling the gap on. And so that's, that's where the moment comes that you rubber meets the road and you realize how few people in this world are actually just a good person to be a good person without expecting anything in return. Um, that's a sad, sad commentary of my mental state with humanity possibly, but it's just kind of what I've seen. I, it's fact. I don't, I don't think I'm much better off. You said you're like one in a thousand. I can't even, I don't even think my, my ratio is that high. I, um, it seems like kind of like you, every time I meet someone, people take advantage of like my kindness or my generosity. Like I'm an artist. I like to do things. I like to do artistic things. Sometimes I'll just do projects for fun and be like, Hey, or let's do this thing together. And like, I, um, I mean, I had this like this. Yeah, like this, like this. But, this podcast was yeah. nothing more than you and I talking about losing our dads and saying, you know, there might be something in here that people would want to hear. So what the hell? Yeah, we have these conversations it. anyway. Record it. Why not? Yeah. But, you know, I I, had, I remember this one friend and I used to go over to his house all the time. We'd hang out and do like whatever various things. But, you know. Whenever he needed anything from me, I was there. I never asked for anything. I did whatever. Uh, you know, I was always there to listen. And then, like, if I ever needed anything from him, it was always, like, how much money can you give me for me to help you do that? And, it you know... <laughs> uh it was like at one point like somebody had like somebody was like on the verge of death and i was like can you like i don't have a car can you please drive me like two hours to do this thing he was like yeah but i need new tires for my car and i spent every last dime that i had every last dime i had just so i could get him to drive me north to see somebody who was dying and then drive me back uh, and then after yeah. that and after that i just never talked to him again because i was like you know that's fucking ridiculous <laughs> but 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 there's a really good I, we're way off topic on these things but that's actually a wonderful life point that i that i've taken in life right i used to get really angry 
when I'd realized that when it would dawn on me or hit me upside the head that somebody was using me. And over the years, I just got to the point where I realized that I just have to be myself and be the person I want to be. And if somebody comes into my orbit and they do that, they screw me over, they'll screw me over one time. I don't care. And I don't take, I don't take it personal. Uh, I'm, and it's usually around somebody doing something for me, you know, that, uh, that, oh yeah, I could take care of that for you. Yeah, I got that. And, and then it like to your point, well, oh, I need new tires. Okay. Here's your tires. Don't ever call me again. Like you said, it's just like, I, I don't have a purpose for that person in my life. The moment that I find out that the, they were, they're willing to use me for something when it's to their benefit. And again, sadly, that's the vast majority of human beings. It is so rare to find a kind, loving soul in this world yeah. that will just go out of their way and just, just help you to help you, you know? And it blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind because if you are one of those, I know you enough now in a, in a year we've been working together or whatever, just you're just a kind soul, right? And those are great people to meet because again, so few of them, but the amazing thing is if you are one of those kind souls, you know what it does. You know those situations when, yeah, you actually had to give up every dime you had to get tires to go there, but you were there for that person that was dying. You were there for them when they needed you. And that's kind of the thing that I think is missing from so many people that if they could just try it, if they just, I, I try and tell everybody, um, I know I posted a message back around the holidays to, to all the employees of my company, basically just saying, you know, I love, I honestly said, I love each and every one of you. And all I ask is that you go out and try to do something nice for someone else for no reason. And you'll be amazed how you'll feel after you do it. It doesn't have to be anything big. It can be something as little as just a word of encouragement to the server that comes to your table that you can see is stressed out. That's having a bad day. Just make them laugh. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be monetary in nature. It, there's so many ways to help people especially in this time when everybody's mental health is frail <laughs> or on edge. Um, just that kind word, that one kind word that costs you nothing, that, that looking at somebody that you can just see needs someone to talk to and talking to them, those, those little things, if more people would just try it once, I think they'd be addicted. They'd be addicted to realize how good they feel inside to have done something. We, we talked to going back and at least bringing parents into the conversation since that's somewhat where we need to be. I, I, I know last episode, I talked a little bit about kind of my uh, distance from my siblings and my family that was driven by a variety of things. But one of the biggest ones was my uh, uh, leaving religion and leaving Catholicism and becoming an atheist. And I look back and I think the moment that that crystallized for me, there's no question when I went to college, as most of us, I stopped going to church because my parents weren't there to wake me up every morning and make me go. And so you go through church, you go through your college years, basically just going to church when you're home on break because it's expected. But by the time I got out, I, I wouldn't say I was an atheist. I would say I was agnostic. I wasn't sure. I didn't know enough. I really wasn't that important in my life to spend a lot of time you know, ruminating on it and trying to philosophically determine is there or isn't there a God. But um, the point for me came when my 
first wife and I, it was Christmas time. And the year before we had struggled to find something for my father who pretty much has everything, had everything he wanted. You know, he just wasn't a, he was a very simple man. He didn't want a lot. And we bought him corkulvation shoes. They were shoes that you strapped on your metal shoes. You strapped on the bottom of your feet that had little pegs going down so they could walk around his yard and corkulvate his yard. If you know what that means, they, it basically it takes little plugs of, of dirt out so that I, I guess it helps the grass grow better. That stupid, stupid, stupid thing was the last time I was like, this is ridiculous. Do we not know, you know, I'm, I'm now kind of really far away from Christianity, but going, wait a minute. I thought the whole point of Christmas was supposed to be about giving and caring and not about giving capitalistic toys to each other. It's about helping people. And so the next year, my ex-wife and I went to, uh, I don't know what it was called back then, like a BJ's wholesale or whatever. It was down in Dallas where we lived at the time. And we went and we rented a U-Haul and we filled it. We went to a, a like a, a big box you know store, Costco or whatever, and loaded it up with giant bags of rice and all kinds of uh, non-perishable food and everything else. And we went to a uh, homeless shelter uh, in uh, downtown Dallas, um, a soup kitchen kind of place. And we just took pictures of the staff unloading the back of this big truck with all this stuff and all the happy people and stuff. And for Christmas this that year, that's all we did is we sent all of the people in our family, because in my family, everybody has to buy a present for everybody else, right? So we just sent a picture and a card that said, we didn't buy you anything because frankly, no one in our family needs anything, but there's all these other people that really do need stuff and would appreciate it more. And so here's what we did with, you know, for Christmas money this year or with them, what we would have spent on presents for you guys. Now, I personally was like, see, we did something good. We helped a bunch of people, and I would have thought that my highly religious mother would have and would have thought that was a great idea. Wouldn't you think that? You would think. No, no I. She was angry. She was. I don't know if angry is the right word, but she's disappointed. She's like, I, I know you just don't believe in this stuff, and that's fine. But I'm gonna. We're gonna continue to get you presents. And I'm like, okay. That was the moment where I was like, yeah. See. If if a highly religious person can can totally miss the whole point of the Bible, then something's horribly wrong with this process. And that was the time that I just decided, you know, organized religion in for me. Um, you know, I don't know what's out there. I don't believe in. I don't know what I believe and I don't really care what I believe. <laughs> Ultimately, I'm living my very short life trying every day to look in the mirror and say, I had a good day and hopefully I made somebody else smile and, and made them have a good day and help them out when their, their, you know, chips were down. And uh, anyway, it's just, it's, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that story. We'll call that the end of that story. The end of that story. Yeah, no, it's okay. That can be the end of that story. It was a good story. I enjoyed listening <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I um, I did have a question though, because I was thinking about well, you were t started talking about giving advice to your daughter or not giving advice to your daughter or your son. 
Um, how old was your daughter when you got divorced from your first wife? Um, that would have been 1997, and she was born in uh, 1991. Okay, so, so she was like six then? No, 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 no. Uh, no, four, uh, she was born in 1991, and we divorced in... Oh boy, my dad, I don't know, dude. Oh, well, <laughs> I can't do the math, but I, I, she was, I, I want to say she was about 14, if I remember correctly, or perfect. maybe, a, I, I don't remember exactly. I just know that it was, um, no, 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 I'm sorry. When we got divorced, she was five. I take that back. It, it was, when we got divorced, she was five and my son was two. And um, at the time for me, because it was so, such a weirdly emotional situation to basically be contemplating divorce when my whole life I'd been told, no one, you don't get divorced. You just don't do it. Um, it was, it was a really, really hard time. And, uh, what I did is I basically just said, I don't, I don't want anything. I just put some clothes in, in a garbage bag, a couple garbage bags and, and left and got an apartment and said, I, I don't want anything. Everything's for the kids you know, and get an attorney and tell me whatever you want, uh, alimony, child support, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. And I will pay it because it's for the kids. And we did that. And uh, I can't say we got along great, but I thought we did fairly well co-parenting the next seven to eight years. And then she uh, got remarried. And that's what I'm thinking about when Andrea was 14, because when she got remarried, uh, uh, my son would have been, um, you know, three years younger. That's about 11. And, uh, uh, they tried to move, uh, move away. My wife and I, and our, and the children were down in Florida visiting my parents. And when we came back, we were told that, uh, my ex-wife and her new husband had sold their house, which was only a few miles away from our house. And we're moving an hour away and had bought another house somewhere and that they were taking Logan with them. And, uh, that was the moment where I said, yeah, no, you can, you can take anything you want from me money-wise because you can't have my children. Uh, I, they have, I have to have them in my life. And, and ultimately, um, yeah, ultimately that got resolved in court nicely <laughs> in that they had to move back and, uh, and they ended up moving even closer to where we lived. So even though that was stressful on everybody during that time, it turned out to be a wonderful thing, I think for the, for the kids, because they got to have their mother just down the road from, uh, from us. And so they had, you know, two sets of parents basically through, you know, important formative years and, and, and they got to see all the stress that comes with divorce and whatnot. But, um, anyway. Yeah. Well, thinking about seeing, I guess the reason I asked the question was, um, like I mentioned, my, my dad didn't really, um, give me much in the way of relationship advice, but what I did have as far as knowing how to manage a relationship was what I saw, uh, with him and my mom and um it's probably not super a great story to tell but when i was a kid my parents i think my mom had gotten a job uh she started working at some golf course somewhere and that caused some kind of rift in the relationship because i think my dad was still of the mentality that you know he goes to work and like the woman stays home and does whatever and um they had started fighting 
and I would, I would sit in my room because I was young and I could just do, my room was right next to the area. There was, the house wasn't that big. Uh, and I would listen to them fight and I would hear what they were fighting about. And I would hear about like how he was upset. And my mom would say, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to quit my job? And they would just, they would spend all this time, like not talking to each other. And so as a child, I was just sitting and kind of like absorbing the way they kind of managed their problems, I guess. Because uh, I could see what eventually what I saw what was really important to them was to work through the problem um, so that they could continue being married. But there was a point in time where we were we were we were moving the business. My dad's business was moving. And um, I found out later that he was just like, I'm just going to go by myself. Um, but I, I could hear parts of this conversation, but I didn't understand wholly what was happening uh, in the conversation. So what was actually happening behind the scenes was my dad was talking about moving by himself uh, to Nevada and leaving us in California and just kind of just like your mentality, be like, I'll give you like literally whatever you want. Um, I just don't want to deal with this. And uh eventually they figured it out but as a kid i can just remember like seeing my mom cry and them sitting on the couch together and kind of just being an observer to their relationship so when i got older when i was dealing with my own problems in my relationship you know before this big breakup happened that caused me to move back in um I would kind of think back to those moments and think back about my parents' struggles. Like whenever I, even now, even when I have a fight with my wife now, I think about like those moments when my parents would fight and how they managed their anger, how they managed the conversation. And I, I can find myself mimicking it. And my wife hates some of it. Cause I'll like, my dad used to talk a lot. He was like a lecturer and my wife will be like, stop fucking lecturing me what are you doing and i'll be like sorry like i forget sometimes that i have to just shut my mouth because um whatever um so anyway i think when i think about your daughter or how she might manage her own problems or your son or you know any any children um children are observers we're young and we you know we we absorb things and no matter what's happening around us like we see it and we internalize it in some way right or wrong or correctly or incorrectly i saw my parents and heard my parents fighting and i took that and in, internally and said like i you know i want a long-lasting relationship like i don't want to be dealing with this type of problem how do i avoid what's happening with my parents and create a better relationship than that. And it wasn't like my dad sat me down or my mom sat me down and gave me relationship advice or told me stories about their past. Um, but I did just, I kind of observed, and this probably part of the reason I turned out to be, you know, a writerly type person is because all the secret observation of people. Um, but part of that, part of that too, I think is it, you hit on it, which it's generational. We've talked about that. I mean, like I look at my parents and I never once ever saw them argue. Okay. So then as you grow up, you don't really understand, well, how, how did they never argue? Right. And, and so you just figure, wow, that must be how you have a relationship is just, you never argue. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. Okay, cool. But what, what you have to go through, at least what I had to go through was learning. Like I'm, I'm the opposite of you. I, it, when I get angry or, or used to when I, when in my first marriage, whenever I just get angry, I just shut down wouldn't talk just leave it 
right? And the problem is then that all just kind of, it's there, it never gets, it never comes out and it, and it builds up and, and then it comes out in weird ways that aren't even related to what you're mad about because it's just how you are. And, and what I've learned as I've gotten older and, and uh, thankfully my wife Lisa and I have a, a great relationship um, because we talk right and, and it's so cliche everybody says don't ever go to bed angry it's actually very very true is and it's very uncomfortable when there's something that made one of us not feel good or whatever it may be it it, it just requires sitting down and saying hey you know i want to talk to you about something that's not gonna be comfortable but here's here's what happened and and now i know that when i go to bed i i know that my wife and I are always on the same page and in the same place. And part of that is, is just recognizing again, you're growing. We're all growing every day. And if you're taking that stuff in, one of the things that I've, I've learned is my children, my adult children now, they look back and they're like, Oh my God, dad, I can't. And they love their mother and they go to see her and her husband, but they're like, I do not see how you two were married. You are so just 180 different, 180 degree different people. Right. And so it's interesting that, you know, and, and as Andrea said to me, you know, I have great memories now because I got to see how relationships work and don't work as opposed to like me sitting and watching my parents married for 68 years and think, wow, they must be wonderful. They never fight. Well, what I found later in life is no, that my dad never stood up for anything. He just, he, his advice at my wedding, my first wedding, he was my best man. Uh, and his advice was just say yes, dear. And that should have been a clue to me at the time, but that's how he got through life. No matter what he just said, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. Got it. And, and ultimately that's not me. That that's not how I am. And, uh, and then 10 years later, when I needed to go have a very uncomfortable conversation with my father that my wife and I were separating and getting divorced, I wasn't sure how he was going to take it. I remember we were on a golf course, on a par three golf course, sitting on a bench. And I told him, and he looked at me and he said, I knew you couldn't stay married to that woman. And I was like, wait a minute, you were my best man. How? <laughs> and he said, he said, son, is there anything I could have said at that time? that you would have listened to and wouldn't have made you hate me. And the truth is no. And that's kind of circles back to the situation. You got to be so careful what you say to your adult children. And, and when you're trying to help them, because if you share too much or you say too much, or you tell them too much, then just like you said, you're going to rebel against it. They're going to they're not going to follow that advice. So it's really hard to offer up, uh, scars that you have in your life and know that they might not recognize it or acknowledge it or or want to go down that same path and they might have to end up with that same scar on them you know yeah i guess you can't really protect uh, your children from following your same path you just kind of have to watch them make the mistakes that you made which, yeah you, um, you do and and you know what when you get okay with that which i'm having a trouble getting okay with it but i'm getting there it, then it's like going back to the analogy of you and watching one of your friends, right? And watching one of your friends that's going through some traumatic event in life and you're just being there for them, empathetically helping them and, and, and giving them some thoughts that you can. And, and that's it. 
And ultimately, then you step back and you watch them do what they're going to do and you hope and wish them the best. And you're there for them if they fall. But hopefully they fly. Yeah. And that's just the way it's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I feel like people should act um, more, more kindly. I wish I had better friends. I mean, I have you and you're a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I just, you know, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of good people in the world. There's not a lot of great advice to give in the world. There's a lot of experiences to be had, I guess. Um, Cause even thinking like to my, you know, cause you you mentioned earlier, just, you know, pro- being a problem solver, or trying to help people. Um, and I'm, you know, I think that's me and I think that's you. I'm not sure if every, everybody tries to be a problem solver in the same way. Um, but it's just interesting to me how few people are willing to, I don't know, put that extra effort forward. And I guess as a parent, you know, your point is that it's extra hard to put that extra effort forward. You can be hopefully empathetic and you can be there to be a shoulder to cry on. Um, but I think, I don't, I don't even know if it's just with children because I can think of instances with friends, like friends who are, friends who are going through breakups. You know, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't want to say the wrong thing. You, ha- you might have advice and it's different than having a child. You might tell that story to your friend about your breakup, but like ultimately, like, you know, your friend is going to have the same reaction. They're not going to f- necessarily follow your advice or do the same thing because they exactly. are. Exactly you know, they are their own person and you, um, all you can do is be there for them. So, I mean, in some way, I think you've said it before, your, your children, you, you want your children to, you want to be friendly with your children, but you don't want to be your children's friend because you still have to be their parent. So I guess, I guess this is one of those lines that's real ambiguous. Like how, how much do you give? And I guess it really depends on how, what kind of re- relationship you've, uh, uh, what kind of relationship you've you've nurtured with your children? Because I mean, I think I've kind of gotten it through to this point that my dad wasn't um, really giving me a lot of life experience advice. He was giving me a lot of professional type advice, and it. Um, I mean, it's affected me even now. And like you know, you you kind of mentioned I, I'm a kind-hearted person, and. Uh, the world has made me kind of bitter. So I'm a kind person with a real bitter attitude <laughs> about, about life. Uh, so it's been, it's been difficult for me just to deal with even just like relationship stuff in my own life. You know, I, I have problems like not like serious problems with my wife or anything, but we argue like any other couple. And, you know, I, I and make the same mistakes over and over again, every single time we have an argument, you think I would have learned something in all these years that we've been married, but like, I'm still learning and trying. And, um, I guess, like, I guess my point in here is that like talking to my wife is a lot like talking, I mean, is it like the, the same kind of, um, dynamic because I can't, I can't tell my wife the same thing. Like my wife is her own person, especially when we're like coming like to heads with each other. Um, when you're trying to make a like when you know when you're in an argument and you're trying to make a point you're like no don't be mad because of this like perfectly logical reason because i don't want to have a fight anymore but it's just like your perfectly logical reason is that advice that your children doesn't they, they don't want it and they just want to rebel against it because that's not what they're trying to do because they're trying to do something else so i feel like this dynamic comes up a lot and um just in all kinds of relationships. And I never really thought about how, how to manage that before, how I managed it like with my, with my parents or how they managed it with each other. Or, um, you know, I could probably, I could probably think of 
other instances in which my father gave me some type of advice, but most of his advice, again, was mostly like financial or practical. Um, mm -hmm. Sure. It was, you know, he just wanted, you know, it was that real baseline, like, this is how you develop the structure to build a life on. And like, but didn't tell me how to live my life specifically other than like, don't get an art degree. <laughs> Uh, I got that one, but I did learn how to weld and I did learn how to use an acetylene torch and I did learn plumbing and electrical and everything because my dad did everything himself. And so, and I also learned how not to hold a flashlight. I, I could never get the flashlight in the right place, right? That's a, as much as that's a, you know, a, a trope that you see from the Christmas story and stuff, it's real. I mean, you know, that's probably... Uh, the one thing in my life that I'm very uncomfortable with uh, always has been our internal combustion engines. I just, I've never been interested in cars. I've never had any interest in anything related to a car. And I just want to get in it. I want it to get me from point A to point B and not break down. It's all I care about. And the, I think that's because of the way my father approached it. I think that he, 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 he was a good teacher, but he was spending all of his time lecturing, if you will. Put the flashlight over here. I'm gonna do my 17-year-old son and and my older son as well. I, especially my 17-year-old. I think I've gotten better in my old age. I just turn him loose, right? And so this weekend, um, we needed to, there was a bunch of welding that needed to get done in in my wife's stables, and uh, and so my son comes out because every day he has to come work with me, and uh, on the weekends it's most of the you know it's a long longer days and during the week he has a uh, some kind of chore around the farms here to do every day but anyway he showed up out there and i was in the middle of welding something i stopped and i said okay you see what i did here you see how i did this i'm doing this okay i've got to run to home depot to get something you weld all the rest of this side of the stalls and i and my wife was there because a bunch of horses were you know bugging on me and so she was had to whip and keeping the horses away while, while I was welding and so I left and you know I came back in about an hour with some parts to go do some other thing a plumbing thing that I was doing and uh he was done by then I said how'd it go and she's actually I saw him in the house I said how'd it go and he goes uh I forget what he said reasonable or something like that and I went and saw my wife and I said what I said he said he did a reasonable job or something like that and she's like she's like a student she left he looked at me and he goes why does dad make me do this shit okay i don't know what i'm doing and she's like well that's how you learn right and the thing is he does know how to do it he's watched me i've stood over his shoulder and watched him do things so i guess what i'm saying is where my father was more the teacher i try to make it more i know i i screw shit up all the time i didn't a year ago i'd never welded other than when i was a kid my dad showed me how to do it and i'd never done it for 40 something years, right? And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna figure it out again. So you watch some YouTube videos, you start doing it, you mess some things up, you 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 know have some bad welds to break, as long as nobody dies, you're okay. And then you and then you you know pass pass it on. So I think what I'm trying to impress not only upon that son, but my older son Logan in in the pigs with lasers game is doesn't matter that you don't know what you're doing. None of us do. Just dig in and start because the first step to success is almost always failure. So unless you take that first step and be willing to fail, 
you'll never get past it to the point that you actually start seeing some success and doing things right. And so anyway, I, that's a, a weird story, but I can, I, I can see like, that's another example of where my father parented in a certain way. I learned a lot, but I thought there's gotta be a better way because you made me hate it because all I had to do was stand there and get yelled at. Cause you know, I didn't hold the flashlight on the right bolt or whatever it might be. So anyway, it's uh, the, I don't know what to say other than I honestly think that that I'm learning, continuing to learn as a father as I go. I'm almost almost done with my parenting gig. One more year to go, and the last one will be out in the real world, and and then I'll totally be in this uncomfortable stage that I'm in with my older children. I'm <laughs> watching them on their their paths and on their adventures and their lives, and trying to be there for them, be a net for them, but at the same time try not to step in and solve problems because that won't let them figure it out yeah. it's hard 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 yeah that's um yeah well i uh, i guess that's probably a good ending point um because i don't have any more advice to give on this <laughs> <laughs> all right all right well until uh until next time everybody uh be nice to your friends and uh, don't ask them to buy tires for your car. And try and do one good thing for somebody else, as small as it may be, just a small gesture and see how you feel yeah. after you. That do other that. one's better. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Peace. Next week. <laughs>